0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today
1: welcome to Sportbox. here are your headlines the pentagon moves 1600 troops to the washington dc area as protesters defy curfews and continue to take to the streets across america the U.S. government opens an investigation into nine countries planning to impose a digital tax, saying it will take all appropriate action to defend American businesses and reigniting global tensions over big tech. Will LVMH put a ring on it? A report suggests the French luxury giant is considering its $16 billion takeover of Tiffany sending shares in the U.S. Re- jeweler nearly 10% lower.
0: Service sector growth returns in China, with the PMIs hitting levels not seen since 2010. But unemployment is still rising, which remains a key concern for Beijing. Support for sterling. The pound
2: rises on reports that Britain will compromise on trade rules with the EU. But access to the continental financial markets does remain a sticking point.
1: The Pentagon has moved 1,600 soldiers to the Washington area in response to demonstrations in the U.S. Capitol and growing unrest across America. This just one day after President Trump said he would use the U.S. military to stop the nationwide protests sparked by the death of George Floyd. Many protesters defied a 7 p.m. curfew in D.C. gathering in front of the White House. Across the country, protesters marched in largely peaceful rallies New York's curfew has been extended through Sunday after more than 700 people were arrested on Monday. Governor Andrew Cuomo called the recent looting and violence inexcusable. NBC's Dan Sheneman filed this report.
3: In the nation's capital, a handful of bottles and other debris thrown at police in tactical gear. The scene after nightfall follows yet another day of largely nonviolent protests. So y'all go in peace? Now please go in peace. In Washington, please for peace, near the Lincoln Memorial. A protester hugs members of the National Guard in Southern California. While in Seattle, the city's mayor promised to do better.
4: We've got to show that we actually can make it work here. And I believe we can.
3: More than a week of protests ignited by the death of George Floyd, who died while in the custody of Minneapolis police.
4: And I was like, no, can't be him.
3: The mother of floyd's daughter speaking out for the first time
4: he was a listener a rock a good father
1: a good friend
3: a family mourns <laughs> while a nation expresses outrage dan sheneman nbc news
1: well you're now looking at some live pictures of washington where people remain on the streets at this early hour coming face to face with law enforcement as protests show no signs of fading You can see uh, some people gathered, of course, with masks still as concerns around coronavirus and another spike in infection, uh, given the amount of protests we've seen across the United States. But uh, these pictures coming through what looks somewhat peaceful at this stage, which is uh, certainly welcome after the violence we've witnessed in recent days. (coughs) In other news, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has defended his approach to President Trump's posts about the protests. Despite widespread criticism from both inside and outside the social media company for refusing to moderate his stance, Julie Borston has more.
4: Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg defending himself in an all-hands meeting he held today with Facebook employees. Facebook issuing a statement to us saying, quote, Open and honest discussion has always been a part of Facebook's culture. Mark had an open discussion with employees today, as he has regularly over the years. He's grateful for their feedback. The New York Times reporting about this meeting that Zuckerberg said that the decision not to flag President Trump's post when the looting starts, the shooting starts was a, quote, tough decision, but that it was, quote, pretty thorough. Zuckerberg reportedly saying in this meeting that the company's free speech policies, quote, show that the right action where we are right now is to leave this up. Zuckerberg also reportedly saying in this meeting that he knew the decision was going to lead to people within the company being upset, as well as lead to media criticism. Zuckerberg's decision prompted a digital walkout of hundreds of employees Monday. Sources tell me that some of those employees are working on specific demands for Facebook management. On Monday night, an engineer posting on LinkedIn that he submitted his resignation to Facebook, writing on LinkedIn, quote, I cannot stand by Facebook's continued refusal to act on the president's bigoted messages aimed at radicalizing the American public. Last night, Zuckerberg, as well as CEO Sheryl Sandberg, spoke with leaders of three civil rights groups who said after the meeting that they were, quote, disappointed and stunned by Zuckerberg and Sandberg's explanations. Facebook responding to that statement that the company is grateful that these civil rights leaders took the time to share their feedback. Julie Borstin, CNBC Business News, Los Angeles. The Trump
1: administration has launched an investigation into digital taxes being adopted or considered by a number of America's trading partners. The list of countries includes the EU, UK, Brazil and India. U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer detailed the probe saying the government was prepared to, quote, take appropriate action to defend U.S. businesses. The statement comes as attempts to strike a global digital tax code have been stalled by the virus outbreak. The US and France struck a deal in January to put their dispute over digital taxation on hold for a year after Washington threatened to slap punitive tariffs on French goods, and this is one of the issues as is we talk about a digital tax. It may have stalled, but there have certainly been plans, at least from the European side, to resurrect a digital tax. And we saw that in the detail of the EU budget. I mean, many of us, uh, eagle-eyed hawks, picked up on that uh, as part of the seven-year plan under the European budget to try and seek that money that is reclaimed. If we talk about what uh, the digital tax applies to, 750 million uh, euros is what uh, could be generated up to 1.3 billion per year in this budget, and it does apply to very large companies, which means it captures a lot of those Silicon Valley companies, Steve. I know that you were also talking to Bruno Le Maire, the French finance minister, who's been pushing very hard for these changes. What do you make of this salvo from the Americans, which seems fairly broad, but may just be targeted at the Europeans?
2: I think, Karen, so many points. I feel like one of our guest hosts once. I've got about seven points here. I'll get through them very quickly because I know Jeff's got a lot of points. One, I told you so. I don't mean you. I mean, people, as you quite rightly say, I've been sceptical about the detente that was apparently after the Finmin meeting of the G7 in Chantilly last year that I was at. I was sceptical at the end of Biarritz where there was an increased detente between Macron and Trump over in Biarritz as well where they said they would work towards it. Third point, why aren't they waiting for the multilateral OECD deal which was promised by the end of this year? Angel Gurri is a man I have Nothing but respect for, but the chance of that deal coming through, well, from a US point of view, look very diminished. Fourth point, every exchequer wants the money. We know that. They all want the money. So is this just about not letting the Europeans have the money from their tech companies and actually the US want it? Fourth point as well, some European powers will be cringing at this whole issue anyway, including the Irish, because of course they want the jobs, they don't want the taxation. Uh, and let's just go back a little bit. The individuals can get taxed at your individual exchequer 40, 50p in the pound if they're earning enough money, whereas companies, are just checked, the US ta- UK tax rate at the moment is 19% as well. So you'd much further tax from the individuals and the jobs from the individuals rather than the corporate tax as well. Is it about protectionism? I think probably on both sides of the Atlantic. Is it about cultural sensitivities, i.e. the French are really upset, let's face it, that they haven't got a tech giant, whereas the US have got all the tech giants as well. Uh, and, and a couple of other little points as well. Just one, well, I'll make one more point so Jeff can come in as well. Uh, is this about a bargaining chip for other stuff? By including the UK in there, is this about Huawei? Is it about the trade deal Brits are trying to get with Americans and just using their leverage there. So I think many, many things. I'll make one more point. I've just thought of it. Is this also about Trump finding a new bogeyman ahead of his election? Jeff, I've just scattergunned. What do you want to say?
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty comprehensive, Steve, to be honest. Uh, Really, I think the phasing is just the most interesting part of this for me. As you point out, uh, there have been investigations at the G7 level, the G20 level. The OECD has been looking a lot at things like transfer pricing and how companies try to avoid paying taxes in certain jurisdictions by moving services or uh, products internally within business units, that's been a long uh, bogeyman for governments who have tried to uh, uh, levy appropriate taxes. And of course, the uh, UK brought its own digital tax to the table not that long ago, arguing that there was a significant misalignment between where most of the income is generated with many of these social media companies and where value added uh, is put into the business proposition. So... uh, We all know, I think, that there is a process underway that is long overdue. I just think the timing is interesting, given, as you say, we have had many things put on the back burner, many policy issues suspended whilst we deal with this current, real and present emergency of COVID-19. And perhaps now, as we start to see a basing of some of the economic impact of COVID-19 and coming out of lockdowns, it is an Opportunity for administrations to refocus on some of these uh, uh, issues that remain unresolved. And clearly, given the amount of uh, fiscal and monetary stimulus that's been thrown at the current economic problems, the need to refill corporate, sorry, government coffers is obviously imperative. Uh, and no doubt the Americans, uh, quite rightly in their view, are reluctant to see corporate profits taken out of American businesses when they would like to take those corporate profits out themselves, Karen.
1: Which Jeff raises the question, what does President Trump do from here? Because the commission here in Europe is very, very serious about pressing ahead now with these initiatives, if they're not picked up from the OECD, to push ahead by themselves at some point. But what we know from the past week or so, the clashes between President Trump and social media, the regulations he's forcing upon some of these companies, I mean, the question marks how that goes. But it does create some uncertainty for these companies, if you're going to regulate them and force them to take down posts or take a different stance from what they've had, it could be costly, it could be much more expensive on the hiring front, on the technology front, at the same time when they might be facing a hit on the taxation. And if you think about the significance of the companies we're talking about, these are mostly the FANG stocks that we're mentioning. They comprise a huge chunk of the stock market. So if you start to see a reversal, and I dare say this is not priced into the tech stocks because it has been a long time running and investors don't exactly know what to do with the story at this stage, what the financial hit would be, that you may see some market reaction that is negative. And clearly counting down to a US presidential election, uh, you can imagine that President Trump does not want to tank the the stock market. So the significance of the performance of these shares based on the taxation issue is quite important, Steve.
2: Karen, I I think you've made some excellent points as ever, but let me tie this into our conversation yesterday as well. Which stocks and which sectors are under pressure? All the old world stocks, the energy, the real estate, the industrials, which ones are leading American wealth higher at the moment? It is all those companies you just mentioned. So everybody wants a slice of the goose that is laying the golden egg. These are the companies which are COVID-proof potentially. They are 21st century industries. They're the ones that the fund managers keep on coming on to our channel and saying we'll ignore the valuation concerns because we think these companies... Our 21st century COVID world proof as well. So everyone, both sides of the Atlantic, they want a slice of the action. And my question is, if you go too far, you don't want to kill that goose which is laying those golden eggs. Jeffrey.
0: Yeah, I think those golden eggs are getting smaller by the moment, Steve. As we look at the row around uh, trade, the WTO has pretty much been benched at this point, it seems, as a stand for, standard for the way that uh, the United States uh, is now operating with various trading partners, which is not to say there aren't questions to be answered here. And I think that partly plays into the hands of the uh, uh, the State Department here and the U.S. trade representatives because there are countries around the world that have been selling products into the United States that they are particularly good at producing. For example, uh, French wine, just one that comes to the top of my head here, where there have been uh, quite high tariffs over recent years here. And Depending on which point of view you take, you could argue this is a levelling of the playing field or this is a terrible road that we are taking which winds back all the benefits of free trade that the world has enjoyed over the last uh, 100 years or so. So, the... uh, you know, the, the moral or, or the, the, um, issue, the ethical issue, I think, remains, uh, up for grabs at this point as to, uh, the arguments behind the United States taking this road. But it is clear that the trading system that we have operated under for decades at this point clearly doesn't look fit for purpose. And we do need a new framework going forward, which is what we hope the OECD might deliver for us with the assistance of the G7 and the G20. But goodness, to link two stories together, it seems we can't even get a G7 meeting organized and one where everybody will agree on who it's acceptable to invite, given both the UK and Canada seem to be resisting President Trump's desire to have Russia back at the table. Karen?
1: Just uh, G7 plus 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 with all the invitations that are about to be issued, but uh, I think what we're discussing is a digital tax for a new economy. And on to a bridge to our next story, because what we've seen during this COVID-19 crisis acceleration those digital trends, which has created new winners. And one of them yesterday was Zoom. Our investors very keen to look at Zoom Video's revenues, which have jumped almost 170% in the first quarter alone. This prompted the video conferencing company to double its sales target for the year the company now hosts 300 million daily users as people across the world turn to video calls amid the lockdowns but shares in zoom did sink in after hours trading as the group revealed a jump in cloud computing costs to support the spike in demand But a huge performance in the share price since the start of the year as it has been one of the stocks that investors have parked into that COVID-19 winner category. And that's the point as we talk about a digital tax. You may see winners of the future might be slightly different to the Fang stocks, but a lot of them, no doubt, will have some huge digital component. And that is what we're talking about, seeking to ensure this equity across the system. I want to show you the US market performance yesterday, despite all of the unrest we've been watching several nights in a row now across the United States. Wall Street still proving it can see through these issues, parking it uh, mainly to the side as it focuses on the reopening of economies, all of the stimulus thrown into the the system. And that's been a constant theme that a lot of our fund managers have been saying. You've got a V-shaped recovery for the stock market, maybe in some ways separated from what you're going to see in the real economy, where the performance will be much, much slower in terms of recovering from this crisis. In fact, some estimates that it could take a decade to fully recover some of the lost territory. But the stock market is a different story. And you can see it in the Dow, the 1% gain. We're witnessing 25,742 as we march closer to the 26,000 handle. Further gains for the SP 500. If you look at the stocks, a number of different ones influential for the SP yesterday, the likes of Home Depot. Qualcomm, Texas Instruments, Microsoft, Pfizer, all contributing to this performance for the Dow Was Home Depot. And that's a quite key. We talk about reopening because in the States, clearly that's been impacted by the events that have been unfolding. A number of the retailers have been looted. They've been impacted on their operating hours and they're worried about consumer demand overall, given the unemployment rates. And we'll see another look later this week in the non-fund payrolls report just on what the casualty rate has been on the employment front. In terms of tech-heavy stocks, they are in the mix, But not as strong as you could see the leadership picked up by some broader areas of the stock market asia as we switch over to what is playing out we've been closely eyeing some services components out of china that have provided some encouraging news the chinese market is up just over half a percent not quite keeping pace with the stronger gains we're witnessing on australia hong kong and japan a lot of these markets focusing on the hope of more stimulus coming ahead on the show china's services sector returns to growth in the month of May, but concerns remain over weak overseas demand. We'll have details after the break.
0: If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out The Brave Ones podcast.
1: The cosby is trading higher after south korea unveiled a 29 billion dollar stimulus plan to fight the pandemic the package is the country's third supplementary budget this year and its largest ever stimulus package authorities hope to shield the economy from further losses after revised growth forecasts for the year were reduced to 0.1 percent which would be the worst reading since 1998. china's services sector grew for the first time since january last month as domestic new business helped offset weak overseas demand following coronavirus lockdowns. Cajun Services PMI rose to 55.0 in May. That is its highest level in nearly a decade. Well, let's get at Sam for more. Sam, this is encouraging seeing levels on the PMI that we witnessed before COVID-19. Yet there seem to be elements of weakness around the prices charged and also on the employment front.
5: Good morning to you, Karen. Yes, that's right. So the service sector in China really climbed out of that big contraction territory that we saw between the months of February and April, which came in at 44.4 as China really struggled to get back on its feet post coronavirus. So this is very encouraging. And it says that this expansion has been driven by a sharp rise uh, in new business domestically as service providers get back to work and get operations back to normal uh, prior to the coronavirus outbreak. Um, the service sector is a big employer in China and it actually makes up for 60% of the economy. So as far as the headline number is concerned, this 55, this is very positive, but it also backs that official data that we saw come out over the weekend, uh, which also saw um, the service sector expand in May. And that is because these smaller and private firms, which the Taishin survey looks at, don't actually have as much cash um, to really get through these economic headwinds and say the larger state-owned enterprises do but really we do need to be looking beyond the headline as you suggest and that is because the survey still cautioned that employment in the service sector is worrisome but also export orders and we really um, did get a sense of this at China's annual meeting of Parliament not setting a GDP growth target for 2020 but also this huge emphasis on employment by the Communist Party so China wants to create 9 million urban jobs uh, this year and that is important because we've seen a enormous migrant population that hasn't been able to get back to work and economists have actually told me that We could expect to see some of those migrants actually shifting work from factories into the service sector now, so looking at jobs um, in logistics but also catering. Um, But at the same time, though, these companies that were surveyed by the Caixin are still cautious about hiring more people, citing concerns about cutting costs. So analysts are certainly saying that uh, it could be a few months before we see a broader activity bounce back. Back to you.
1: Sam, thank you very much for that. Uh, Let's push on to uh, take a look at LVMH and Tiffany as shares in Tiffany's closed lower after the fashion trade journal WWD reported that LVMH's $16.2 billion acquisition of the group is looking uncertain. Let's get out to Charlotte for more. Charlotte, we've seen a number of deals unravel on the back of COVID-19. I wonder whether this one is about to unravel or whether it's about a renegotiation given the world has changed and clearly the price tags for some of these businesses have been altered.
6: Well, you're right. When this deal was made in November, of course, it was a very different world. Uh, remember, it was $16.2 billion. So one of the largest ever in the luxury sector and $135 per Tiffany share. And that's where uh, there was already at the time a 37% premium on the closing price before the deal was announced. So, um, of course, shares have been moving quite a bit. And the COVID crisis had had a huge impact. Of course, especially in March, we can see the Tiffany shares uh, taking a, a dive. And so image are ready to come out once because there were some Rumors that they would be buying shares in the open market given the discount on the Tiffany shares there. And that had come out on March 23rd already, LVMH, to say that they were committed, that given the agreement uh, that they had, that uh, in accordance with the agreement concluded with Tiffany's, LVMH is currently committed not to buy Tiffany's shares. So it was already uh, this comment. Then when they posted their Q1 numbers as well, LVMH again had to reaffirm their commitment in buying uh, Tiffany's, that the, the deal was going ahead on the planned schedule. The planned schedule, was for the closure of the agreement, for the closure of the deal to close mid-2020. Well, this is now. We are in June. This is mid-2020. So it's very odd to still get these rumors swirling around and, of course, sending Tiffany's um, shares down this morning. Of course, there's the, the, the concern of the impact of the pandemic, what this can have on the luxury sector. Uh, LVMH and other luxury players said that they saw a little bit of a rebound coming from China, which, of course, as we know, is crucial for the luxury sector because it met about a third of, of luxury Sales in the world from the Chinese consumer. Um, there's concern on, on the, the future of tourism. Whilst we thought it could be a short term crisis, now we don't know when tourism will come back. And of course, again, that's a crucial element for, for luxury. Um, and there's also uh, the shape of the recovery. Will it take longer than we expected? When will people be out and about buying luxury items again? And again, for this specific deal for LVMH. One of the key elements for, for buying Tiffany was getting extra um, footprint into the U.S. And now with the U.S. and the protests we've seen, that might be entering a turbulent time. That's extra concern here on on the, the rationale of the deal there. So it's been interesting to hear. There was no comment from LVMH last night whether they need to address again these uh, rumors on market. Because as I said, uh the deal was meant to shut, to close mid-year, and we are mid-year, and we're still seeing these rumours affecting uh, this potential deal between LVMH and Tiffany's.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cartmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.